comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. My name is Ichabod Crane. Sleepy Hollow were on 
Fox's Murder Thursdays, like I'd be like all into watching those back to back or something. I don't know. Other things, in addition to our our Twitter page, twitter.com slash um, Crane, we now have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash Crane. I tried to keep it simple so we don't have too much, too many different variations on the name. Um, so yeah, along with following us on Twitter, you can also like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Crane, and uh, you know, feel free to find the episodes there as well as you know, provide feedback or whatever you want to. And that extends to the email, of course, as well, ichapodcranecast at gmail.com. Um, you know, we're happy to get any list or feedback or what have you. And especially, I believe we're going to uh, we're gonna, we're gonna try a little uh, Halloween contest in the, in the coming week, I believe. So uh, stay sure tuned for that news. Yeah. And, um, of course, we do have our separate iTunes feed now. We were on the HHWLED Master feed, but now we have a separate Ichapod Cranecast uh, iTunes feed. So, you know, be sure to subscribe to our show there and leave us a review and a rating. Uh, that, would, that would help us out for sure and help other people find the show as well. Because I'm, I'm sure there are people that are watching Sleepy Hollow every week and thinking, man, I really want another hour to, look, to focus on this show, but I don't have any focus. Where could the pod, we can find a podcast for that? So, yeah. That uh, would help us out if we could, if you guys would give us reviews and ratings and help you know help the show out and everything. All right, so with all that out of the way, let's uh, let's get to the episode here, the the, the lesser key of Solomon. And um, so this episode, I'm gonna say this right now too. <laughs> this is an elephant in the room. I I am not in my regular location. I normally do this in my 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 home where I have my kind of recording studio of sorts. But today I'm in my car uh, just because I wanted to do this podcast as soon as possible because I I wanted the listeners to have this episode. So I hope this sounds as good as it does. I won't know until I you know edit the show later on. But ideally, it all worked out and everyone's happy, right, guys? Right. Well, I just have to hand it to you for your dedication uh, and integrity. A word being thrown around a lot today, but one you deserve. If there's, if I appreciate that, and if something that me and the channel Fox have in common, it's integrity. So. <laughs> you are, you are the Jenny Mills of this podcast. Thank, there you go. Boom. All right, so let's get to the episode here, guys. Okay, so we start out with the really long recap, right? Doesn't this recap, it's like a, not only is it a previously on, but it's basically like, a, here's everything that's happened so far in this series in the past three weeks, which well, lasts like a good five minutes. Well, we have the uh, the opening we get every episode with the, uh, the Buffy, she alone will stand against, the yeah, but with yeah. Ichabod, and then you get the recap, so it's, it's, it's forever long for the show to start it is and it is i we can kind of get to this well i'll just go over kind of the first act because it's it's not even like a cold open it, it literally is like the first act of a three-arc like story but uh, we begin as you do in boston harbor december 16th 1773 the date of the boston tea party or the destruction of the tea as ichapod called it Ooh. um <laughs> uh, basically during the middle of the boston tea party ichapod goes searching for something uh, General Washington commanded them to commanded them to bring back a crate. When they confront a redcoat for the crate, he recites an incantation in German, and he recites an incantation in the German and blows himself up along with people with it. Um, we move on to present day. So in present day, Sleepy Hollow, Ichabod's loving remem- lovingly remembering his wife who saved him and is somewhere in between life and death. He talks passionately about her and the love that's that spans life and death and how rare it is and then we reveal that Ichabod's actually talking to the what North Star assistance uh, the roadside assistance person uh, who's in tears because of Ichabod's loving <laughs> the <laughs> passionate words about his wife which I thought was funny Did you guys I, I, funny? I dug it I, I, I laughed heartily Yes. Okay. Yeah. He he uh, he thanks her for unlocking the car. Hangs up on her. Um. He's then he's actually waiting for Abby outside the mental institution, and she comes to report that Jenny has escaped, which is what we learned at the end of the last episode. Moving on. 
because this is still all before the opening credits. <laughs> um, Abby wants uh, Abby wants time to track Danny down herself, but uh, police captain Orlando Jones or PC OJ um, is hesitant. We got to find like a cool nickname for police captain Orlando Jones because <laughs> it's a mouthful. We could just call him Irving, but that seems like too easy. We could just uh, call you know, Irv. Irv. Okay. <laughs> Irv is hesitant, but Abby and Nickapot are sure that Jenny is related to the Headless Horseman in some way. I mean, they're obviously sure, but like, you know, so, so he gives them 12 hours. Like, he says it in like the most like police cop, like from an 80s movie kind of way. It's like, I'll give you guys 12 hours. They're I expect like a, like a clock to appear on the screen counting down the yes. It is Fox, and you know, they yeah. have to approach, you have to start promoting 24 again. So, 24 next summer. Not? So we got that kind of going on. And then, moving on, still before the commercial, <laughs> Uh, at, at a bar, Jenny comes in. She finds Wendell, the bartender. Pour, he pours her a shot and gets her things. Uh, she says, uh, remember what I told you one day this town was going straight to hell? I hate it when I'm right. One of those tough Then, again, still here we go. A German man who's like a piano teacher gets a computerized voice call alerting him that Jenny has escaped and they believe she knows where item 37 is. I had to rewind it and re- like I could not understand what it was the first time. Item 37, she knows where that is apparently and he's ordered to track her down. Are we still before the, the opening? No, we're not. That's nope. where it stops, right? No. Um, is it, does it go to him they, going to the bar? go back to the bar. Okay, okay. So here we go. Okay, I forgot to have a break. Okay, so yeah, we cut back to the bar. The uh, piano teacher and some some of his goons, because all piano teachers have goons. They, he shows up at the bar where Wendell says he's never heard of Jenny. Uh, they threaten him. Wendell puts a shotgun on them. The germ, the piano teacher, easily disarms him. Then he begins torturing him on the pool table because that's where you torture people in a bar when there's no other you know means, of course. When um, Wendell, yeah, Wendell admits that Jenny was there, and the man's. What does he say? He says something about um, there must be suffering and torture, or like to get the line. I, I wrote it down. I don't have my note. Regardless, hell, he gives believe, basically he spills the information, and then the guy like tortures him anyway. Yes. I believe he says hell will come to us. Yeah, he says that yes. too. It's a lot of hell talk in this episode. Or uh, he he says something about you know I'll see you in hell or go to hell, and he's like it'll be here soon enough or something like there that. There you go. Okay, so now I think we've finally gotten to the opening, the opening credits. Yes. <laughs> And okay, can, so what, can I just say yeah. that the piano teacher is portrayed by Karsten Norgard, who is well-loved in my home for his role as Wolf the Dentist Stanson in D2, The Mighty Ducks. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> the Mighty Ducks are back, Jack. Uh, yeah, when I when I saw him appear, I audibly gasped. It was a, a happy moment. Has he been another thing? I don't know. I can't, I can't he, he, access things on He sort of a, is like a, the perennial TV one-off guest star now. Oh, and then he's kind of like, creepy or a murderer. He shows up for like 20 minutes. I gotta say, because we'll talk about this when we get on with the episode, but I liked this guy, and I like I like thought he would be more of like a recurring minor yeah. villain in this show. Like I would I would not have been I would, would not have been bothered by that. Cause it seemed like a legit threat. I yeah. agree. It seemed like they were setting up kind of a right hand man. Yeah, since John since uh, John show and his neck can't be on the show every week. Yes. So we are we All are right. four for four starting the show off with a flashback or a uh, dream sequence vision. Yeah, and I know I put in my notes there's like kind of like creepy creepy not creepy but like like a flashback vision. Did you notice that how the kind of the order the, the edges of the screen are all kind yes. of like woo-doo. <laughs> with, that's how I can describe it with the the 1997 <laughs> CG uh, CG boats and water. Yes. At the Boston Tea Party. We'll get to some of the effects later on as well of this show, of this episode. Um, all right. So, okay. We come back. 
Back at the station, Ichabod is looking over Jenny's travels, including Mexico and Somalia. He wonders why Jenny would travel so far and come back to Sleepy Hollow. He pesters Abby for her family history, which, while Abby's kind of on the on the phone, uh, she, she remarks, like, okay, this is a perfect time for that, um, sarcastically. But then she explains that her dad died when they were young. And their mom had a nervous breakdown after the age of 12. Abby had had one foster home. Jenny had seven. But she stayed with the last family for over a year. So Ichabod wants to go talk to them. Meanwhile, in the truck stop bathroom, in a truck stop bathroom, Jenny goes over her go bag, including a passport, where she finds a, her pa- a passport and two guns, because she's obviously ready ready for war or something. Irv reports to the murder scene at the bar. <laughs> they, find, they find the body, and I put this, I don't remember this specifically. The, uh, they find Wendell's body, like, skewered on, like, a deer, like a like a head on the wall or whatever, and, and, he, and he, he says the words, how did that get there? Which <laughs> made, made me laugh. It's like, of all, the, of all the questions to ask yourself, it's, how did that get there? <laughs> and then they reveal the head on the pool table. In the um, rack. You know, in the in rack. The rack. Now, after 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 asking the 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 reasonable but weird question of how did that care, he 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 immediately recognizes that this is not the horseman's mo because the wound wasn't cauterized and all the other things are different about it except the fact that there's a head missing from a body. That horseman um, he wants to continually deny exists. Yes, that yes, exactly. <laughs> he just wants to keep this quiet though. <laughs> how did that get there? That just made me laugh. So did much. you guys did you guys notice um, PCO Jones? Uh, like he looked thinner. Did you not? Do you guys? I thought he looked uh, a bit thin. I, can't, I couldn't say I noticed that, like, offhand. I don't know. There's uh, a lot of lighting on him this episode because he kept he kept being useful in this episode. That's something I enjoyed about his him in this one in terms of just him being in places. Yeah, I just So maybe, maybe just seeing him be more active. I don't know. Slight observation. Yeah. All right. um, Abby and Ichabod visit uh, one of Jenny's foster mothers who's just kind of cold and neglectful of foster children she currently has. She tells Abby that Jenny used to take off her trout lake, but uh, dealing with that foster, that foster parent, she, she was kind of, a, kind of a bitch, right? <laughs> Doesn't that, and Abby even like, does she get to like basically shut it down? Isn't that kind of what we're left with thinking? Ichabod kind of has to hold her back from lashing out in a more serious fashion. Mm. Yeah. I kind of actually felt like the whole episode, Ichabod was Abby's, uh, uh he's the middle. Yeah, I am quite of a middleman, but just especially once we get to sister squabbling, which I wrote down like four times in my notes. Sister squabbling, <laughs> sister squabbling, <laughs> sister squabbling. Um, anyway, Ichabod and Abby head up to the lake cabin. They, they break in. They had a little moment there too. They have a little moment. Like, is it like earlier in the car or something? Like, no, it's it's when they're breaking in. Ichabod says something like, "Who knows what kind of mischief we can get up to?" Like, it's <laughs> one little line that kind of kind of gives you like the hey, here's the sexual tension you're all wanting after that exclusive topless scene last week. Let's see, Ichabod is drawn to a revolutionary war painting over the fireplace uh, and then he realizes that the cabin belonged to the to sheriff clancy brown he sees a picture of and then he sees a picture of sheriff clancy brown with jenny and realizes that they were actually close as well to which jenny responds you have no idea because she steps out and well no she's drawing a gun on them and she's actually been there the whole time and we i think that's the next episode break right they're kind of staring at each other with guns drawn yes i have jenny in cabin standoff nice <laughs> <laughs> The sheriff, it was the sheriff Clancy Brown and Jenny kind of having a, like, they know each other and they contact. Is that kind of a surprise? Well, yes and no, because you kind of, oh yeah, probably, you kind of figure that. I, I did, I did like the sheriff Clancy Brown picture in the, uh, the police station. That was a, that was a nice touch. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then they, we get to see him in photographs in the, uh, the cabin as well. So they're, they're. 
keeping us keeping him in our mind until uh, sweeps week or sweeps month. I'm sure. All right. Um, so let's see. We come back. Abby tells Jenny she's trying to make things right. The two sisters kind of go at each other until Ichabod shouts them both down. This is where we're just squabbling the first time. Let's see. Jenny tells them that uh, Sheriff Clancy Brown helped that she helped Sheriff Clancy Brown find rare objects and traveled the world to do so. She's basically Black Tomb Raider. Um, <laughs> she, <laughs> I play that game. I play it. Uh, <laughs> if there was a prequel series where she starts as, <laughs> as Jenny Croft, like Tomb Raider, I played. Oh, um, okay. She uh, she saw him the night before he died and told her to come back to the cabin if something happened to him, which is why she broke out, of course, uh, if he had a bad because he had a bad feeling. Uh, she opened with to which she then opens a secret panel in the cabin wall. Which is quite, which reminded me specifically of Maxwell saying, "I love this silly show." <laughs> that's that's what I thought when I saw that cabin door open. Um, <laughs> she she takes out a sextant, uh, which is used for mapping sea travel, um, which comes which comes with symbols branded into the leather. Ichabod recognizes these markings, which he then explains in via which cuts back to comes back to the Boston Tea Party thing. So he explains that they went that the he and the the rebels went into the went in for the looking for the weapon. They created the, the Boston team tea party as a distraction, which he then reveals was known as the destruction of the tea and notes that they've given it a much more colorful name, festive name. That's the, that's what he, that's what he says. Um, and then he explains that the man guarding the, the weapon that they are looking for was a Hessian, a German mercenary loyal to the British crown, much like the headless horseman of obviously um, Ichabod and his fellow soldiers were sent to claim the chest made of stone covered in markings. He ferried it back to Washington, but never saw it again. Um, Ichabod then demonstrates um, how the sextant works. There's actually a projector hidden inside that displays a map from Ichabod's era of Sleepy Hollow. They think will lead them to the location of the mysterious chest. Just then, shots start coming through the window. Yeah, so we got a big shootout scene here. The German and his men fire semi-automatic weapons. <laughs> Obviously, everyone misses each other because there's no drama. <laughs> everyone, everyone starts hitting each other. Uh, one runs in, grabs the sextant. Two of them get away, but then Jenny's able to pull a gun on the piano teacher. Did we cut at some point yes. to a commercial? Yeah, it's uh, sometime after the sextant's stolen. Okay. And uh, I think the sh- shootout's still going on. Somewhere around there. All right. Yeah. But anyway, so what do we think of like our first big cut of like guns? Bla- well, besides the horseman with an assault rifle, like our, this is our first cut. Another another like guns blaze in action sequence. How, how, do you, how do you think of this? It caught me by surprise. I didn't think it would uh, turn into like that when they met up with these... Uh, goons but it was pretty cool maxwell any uh, anything? um <clears throat> i i like uh how this episode and in this act in particular wasn't so much a monster of the week but kind of building the mythology of the show and starting to tie things together from the previous episodes little nuggets that have been dropped i thought the fact that uh jenny was sort of traveling the world on behalf of sheriff clancy brown was really cool um, and I would love to see a prequel series someday of Jenny's uh, supernatural travels. Maybe, I certainly think we'll see some kind of flashback. Like a one, maybe yeah. a one-off yeah. episode with something that ties to like a, a, a future event or something. Yeah, yeah. and, I, and I, I love the sex tent. It reminded me of like, I was like, oh, uh, National Treasure 3 much? I actually wrote down in my notes, National Treasure Sleepy Hollow to describe <laughs> yes. this episode. Uh, because that the, 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 the plot of this very much follows kind of the plot of a National Treasure type movie. Yeah, I mean... I, specifically that, that, not Indiana Jones, National Treasure, because of the just the way it's kind of put together. That Ichabod is single-handedly responsible for the Boston Tea Party is hilarious. Yes. It, yeah, it felt like <laughs> some mean, kind of flashback scene to like one of Nicolas Cage's ancestors or something. I love... 
I love that this show is basically giving a big F you to American history. Yeah. They're like, you think you know who George Washington was? He was a wizard! <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to find out. Like, we find out that George Washington's grandparents were wizards, and they had like big, long beards or something. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Jenny looks over the gun and says, this military issue, Uzi. I don't know why that was important, but I read it. Ichabod checks him for tattoos in Ger- yeah, and in German declares him a, he- a Hessian. Uh, shadow warriors of the 5th Battalion. The Hessian, the Hessian then, and Ichabod speaks German to him, which the Hessian responds, that was great German, which was weird to me because I think Ichabod spoke like one line, I took German, Ichabod spoke like one line of German to which the Hessian all of a sudden started getting all chatty because of how impressed he was with like his one sentence of German that he spoke to him. Um, it's one more Hessian, sentence of German than I can speak, Aaron. So good <laughs> there, for there, Ichabod. There, there you go. The Hessian says that the chest contains a doorway to the 7th circle of hell, not the 6th, not the 8th, where the set, where 72 condemned souls wait on the shore of flaming sand from the book of Revelation. Jenny recognizes what he's talking about. It's the lesser key of Solomon. It's a um, The key itself is actually a book of, of black magic, which is what they believe is in the chest, that itself is capable of unleashing the demons into their world. The Hessian says that they've been hiding in Sleepy Hollow, of course, because where else? It's like the Hellmouth, obviously. Uh, just make more Buffy references. Um, Captain, meanwhile... Captain Irv, and it, actually, so we're getting kind of a Hessian, this is actually a pretty cool scene, this is probably my favorite scene of the episode, because like, the Hessian's explaining all this as we get kind of, it's juxtaposed with Captain Irv uh, going over to the uh, the Hessian's house and uh, finding stuff, so here we go. Captain Irving and his team, are they head to the Hessian's house, following up on the bartender's murder, they find all sorts of body parts, skulls, and weird bits in the basement, um, all his Hessian's narrating stuff back, uh, the Hessian uh, tells Abby, Jenny, and Ichabod that they've already met the man in charge. He knows all their names, as he describes. Excuse me. He knows all, Hessian knows all of their names. Um, Abby, Jenny, and Ichabod. He describes all of them and describes the demon that they must have seen. This is, of course, the same demon we've been seeing that we've been essentially calling Satan um, for the past few weeks on the show. The Hessian says that the demon summoned the horseman, and with each dark spirit he brings into your world, his grand design gets even stronger. He wants you to understand... This is all quote. With with each with each dark spirit he brings into your world, his grand design gets stronger. He wants you to understand. My brothers have the map, and soon the doorway will open, and my task will be completed. Uh, he then says something in German, which I did have written in my notes, but I don't have my note with me. The man that he the the Hessian then stops talking, chomps down on something in his mouth, which he reveals is a cyanide pill. Um, Ichabod then translates his last his last words, which were Moloch shall rise. So that's where we get to our next commercial. This is as much as I like because I did. I think this is my favorite scene of the show. It did come. It did amount to basically monologuing because like, oh. there's no reason. There's no reason he needed to explain any of this. He could have just taken the cyanide at any point and just killed himself and not said anything. But I guess he was getting all gloaty, right? Yeah. The amount of exposition and and <laughs> things discussed in this this act is ridiculous. It's like the writers are like, all right. Let's take a look at all the supernatural things and all the religious things and all the con- the conspiracy things we can and, like, tie it all together. So we have the Knights Templar and we have sort of like a Paradise Lost thing going on. And then we have Moloch and the Lesser Key of Solomon and the Book of Revelations and 72 demons. And it's like, when is it going to end? <laughs> so much. <laughs> so much. I think what makes it a scene that I really like though is that it was I think it was like well told like it was well delivered. I, I think I like the it's I know I know I know I know you're having fun. The, the, the fact um, that it all works and and kind of makes sense at least within the realm of this show is 
I give it big kudos. Yes. Yeah, and I, I think, because I, I did like how it was kind of juxtaposed with the other stuff going on in the episode, and it did kind of, it of course, gave us all the information we needed, but it, it didn't feel like it was bogging the show down. It just felt like, it was like, yep, this is what we need. <laughs> we need to hear all this stuff. Right, and, and you also have that great line where Irv goes, this man is a music teacher. What's going on here? <laughs> His profession as a music teacher precludes him from being a murderer. They How'd always... that get there? <laughs> I think I think Orlando Jones is playing the whitest character on this show. Uh, okay, so, okay. Come back from Virgil as Abby and Jenny continue to argue once again. I wrote Sister Squabble once again. Um, over whether to call it the cops or not, Ichabod starts drawing, recreating the map using his photographic memory. They lo- they um they locate what where they where they're headed, where the chest is hidden. The other two Hessians are headed there to the church where the key of Solomon is hidden. Um, on the drive there, Ichabod asks Jenny. Actually, by the way, during during this whole time, Ichabod like Jenny Abby reveals that Ichabod is a man from the past, and Jenny just kind of runs with it. She's like, yeah, whatever, because right, uh, that's how you do. Um, well, I mean, Jenny has probably seen some crazy stuff that we just don't know about yet if she's gone on all these missions for Sheriff Clancy Brown. Yeah, it kind of, true. And I, I again, I, we, I think we all want to see now a one-off like, episode based on following this. But I am, I am, I'm curious how long the show wants to play all this in stride and just kind of like have you, have you, you know, being kind of in, well, no, because we know it's true, but like have, you know, having the other characters kind of played off as opposed to being more wowed by the scenarios that are presented to them. But uh, we'll see. We'll see how the show goes with, with that. Um, on the drive there, Ichabod asked Jenny where she received her weapons training. Um, she explained some in Mexico, others in South Sudan, where warlords were stealing food from women. Uh, she says, I learned long ago, if you don't fight for the things you stand for, you don't really stand for them, Jenny says. And I'm um, picturing Ichab- in, in, our, in our one-off episode this like amazing training montage with Jenny with monks and then with like a luchadore and all these different, <laughs> luchadore. different these great skills can we have can we have Sheriff Clancy Brown like yelling stuff at her as she's doing push-ups and and getting her ready obviously yeah um Ichabod likes this argument but Abby's kind of annoyed that he's impressed um with this uh, that that's the point where I wrote um Terminator 2 reference because every week I need to find my Terminator 2 reference and so I all the Sarah Connor stuff essentially that describes Jenny is kind of where I got that this week uh, for those keeping track of me referencing Terminator 2 in relation to Sleepy Hollow. Um, at the church, the Hessians find the book. One of them cuts his own hand, which looked painful to me. Like, it was the kind of, like, cut where, like, it didn't need to, like, be shot the way it was, but it did it just enough to make people like, ah, that hurts. <laughs> like, um, so he cuts his hand, some blood falls on the um, the book, which kind of reveals text on it all of a sudden in, you know, cool kind of way. And the goon uh, then says, The portal shall be opened, the key shall be turned in the name of Moloch. As they recite the words, the baptismal font bubbles with flame. There's the big... Yeah, (laughs) I'm just going to read that straight because there's no other way to describe it. As they recite the words, the baptismal fountain bubbles with flame and blood and demons start trying to break free from the ooze and flames. Yeah. I guess, is that where commercial is? It has to be, right? I don't think you can really top that. In a... Yeah, well, did, so, did we did we mention about Ichabod recalling the map from photographic memory and drawing? Yeah, I did. I kind of okay. blazed because, yeah, yeah. And anyone else find it funny that there was a, a can of spam on the shelf? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, cabins like, need to be stocked with like, non well, I mean, It was just, like, randomly there. It wasn't in, like, any kitchen area or anything like that. It was just hanging out. It happens. <laughs> spam happens. Yeah. Okay, we'll get to more of the demon stuff in this. Let's, let's, let's just recap the, like, the rest of the scene here. Um, let's see. Uh, the Mills sisters and Nicobod arrive at the scene. They take on the men. They get into it, kind of another big fight. Start out with guns, and they move on to you know fists and knives. 
specifically, one of the like the goons throws a knife at at um, Abby, but of course misses because why would a seasoned hen- henchman like be able to throw a knife properly? One of the Hessians gets a hold of Abby, tries to shove her into the uh, the teeming, screaming mass of demons, but Ichabod saves her. He picks up a knife and takes on the giant, the other man. Abby picks up the book, and one of the men gets Jenny in a headlock. He tells her to drop the book, or Jenny dies. But Jenny tells Abby not to listen. Ichabod's still grappling with the other guy. Abby then heaves the book into the flames. Ichabod knocks out one man while Jenny gets a drop on the other. The book is swallowed up into the flames of the demons, and everything suddenly recede. That easy. So it does. It kind of. It kind of falls into the thing once again where you're trying to like I had not an, like an issue last week where it just it feels a little rushed. Like you get this whole big sequence which is just, just kind of summed up in like a quick little thing, which. You know, it has to be. It's following a certain kind of format, but I could, I could have wished that like maybe eight, some demons did actually escape, that would you know set up future plots or something that didn't seem as easy as just you know the essentially the Evil Dead ending where you well, throw I the mean, book in the fire. You, you have uh, you have a relic like this book and you just tossed it like could have been interesting. That's the end. Yeah. yeah. The the um <clears throat> the demons coming out of the bubbles and the the fountain. Yeah. Uh, first of all, they didn't look that good. But second of all, especially the design... after the uh, I agree, especially after the last week's Sandman, which we did find impressive. Right. They probably. I mean, there's a lot of CG in this episode, so the budget yeah. on it probably got really stingy. I mean, I mean, because all, all this, all this, yeah. all the CG in this episode looked kind of poor. Yeah, well, it, it, it's it's one of those things where it could have looked good if it was just like really thin dudes in makeup instead of. But I was gonna say it reminded me a lot of the Inferian. Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Yeah, that's fair. A lot. I, was, I, a lot of that. I tend to be in T2 mode when I watch the show, so I was thinking about the T-1000 when he's coming out of the whole team love. <laughs> and, and the you effects know? were about equal, and this is like like 20 years later. So yeah. I guess now TV has finally caught up with that two-decade-old movie. James well, Cameron's well, always ahead of his time. Well done, Fox. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, it's sort of like, oh, Deus Ex book and fire uh, like throw it away okay good the demons are disappeared i i, I would bet that uh, someone at some point figures out and tries to open that portal again yeah yeah i'm sure there's i'm sure there's multiple places multiple keys to open different portals that lead to the seventh layer of hell or the or the other levels why not right. um all right so we come back back at the station abby explains to her sister that ichabod thinks they're they're the two witnesses from uh from Bro- from a revelations jenny believes her but isn't ready to forgive her yet let's see and abby then says i can't take back what i did but i can try to make it right she then give hands um jenny some paperwork which explains that she could become her conservator and thinks that that can get jenny out of the mental institution in less than like six months after a trial she thinks they can work together to get answers i guess with that that kind of sets up where season two could go like we're only having 13 episodes here i'd imagine jenny could become potentially a part of the cast in the next season unless she's a target while she's there that too yeah unless there's some kind of twist that leads to you know jenny getting killed or jenny getting kidnapped or something of that kind or jenny's a double agent and she's behind the whole thing (laughs) (laughs) she was headless the whole time sister versus the last shot of the first season is is Jenny pulling off her head, <laughs> riding away on a horse? Um, Everything about that I want to happen. <laughs> yeah, be like goodbye, sister. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> during all this, um, after kind of Abby lays her cards on the table, um, Jenny then says, "Corbin said one day you'd be back when you were ready. He asked me to find a way to try to forgive you. I said I didn't think I could." Uh, Abby then says, "I'm sorry that it took me so long to find you." 
Uh, later, Ichabod finds Abby and shows her a reference to Moloch in Paradise in the in Paradise in the book Paradise Lost. Um, it is the demon which she saw in the woods, uh, and now they know who they're fighting. It is Mo- we can call it Moloch now. We can go with that name. Um, which, by the way, the image of Moloch from Paradise Lost is the same image I recognize. That's in Evil Dead references. That Evil Dead has the book of picture of Moloch in there, the Necronomicon. Yeah. Just saying. I, I recognize that, that that demonic image from somewhere else. Probably from Paradise Lost, too. I haven't, you know, I haven't stuck my head in that one for a while. But, but so now, I, we, now we can call it Moloch. We've got a name for it, so that's good. I would like it if, if John Milton, who is noted as writing Paradise Lost, becomes a character in this show, and it turns out that Paradise Lost was his, like, memoirs and not right. just original poetry yes. he wrote. This, these are my experiences. He's, he is related. He has connections to to, Grant, to George Washington's ancestors. Yeah, and he, he too, is a wizard. Exactly, yeah. They're all, yeah. There's a lot of wizards. But uh, I, <laughs> it's interesting to note that Moloch is um, the god demon of child sacrifice. Yeah. Um, and I, I wonder if that's going to somehow tie back into uh, Abby and Jenny when they were children, and if something happened there more than what we've seen. For sure, true. It's interesting that, and like, this is kind of a minor thing, but it's interesting to think that there, we are dealing with two two black actresses in these kind of roles, which is something you don't really see that often. Normally, you you think with a plot that involves the Book of Revelations, in the kind of PC America, like the, the kind of not traditional American TV format or you know media, you probably wouldn't see black actresses as the representation of this. You probably see white actresses. So it's neat to see the show taking that stance. And I don't know if that's by choice or just by these are the these are the actresses that uh, that auditioned the best or tested the best with you know with Tom Eisen's character or what have you. But I just, I just like seeing that. I like seeing kind of the the ethnic diversity on Sleepy Hollow of all shows. No, it's a, yeah, I agree with you. It's I agree. There should be more diversity in television. I was watching um, Shield, and mm-hmm. the yep. other, I was thinking to myself, okay, yeah, Ming Na is here, but they, I mean, they couldn't have one, you know, black person in this cast on the team. It just, it's, I don't know. I can take it a step further, and I don't want to go harp on this too much, but I was, I mean, ABC in general, they have like I think like eight different family shows that are all white families, which is like a little, it's, a little weird to me. It's such a, it's it's such a boring also, network. Though, ABC also has Grey's Anatomy and Scandal, which are two of the most diverse. Very, cats. Yeah, very, very, so, very much true. Not, it's, not, again, not forgiving them for their white family shows, but it's not as if across the network it's all white all the time. Very true, and I mean, this is a subject for a whole different thing. So yeah, I, I just, it, a, it's certainly not something I'm harping on or want to bring it's up. Wor- it's it. definitely worth noting, and in particular, how beyond just that first little, you know, emancipation joke from the pilot episode, the fact that they're black, it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not mentioned, and I find that uh, refreshing. So let's uh, let's go over our thoughts on this. I mean, you know, overall on the episode, I uh, I'll start. I I, um, I enjoyed it. I would. I uh, I did it. I mean, I think we all kind of have same issues of kind of watching the budget be stretched thin on this episode. But I think in terms what I like about this episode and kind of the show in general so far is that everything the episodes fit both as standalones as and as ones that kind of progress the story. I feel like you could tune in for the first time and watch this episode and get, you know, be fine with it. But you could also be following along and be fine with the story progression. I think it's doing a good job of balancing both aspects. Yes. Um, I don't know. This one this one kind of served the purpose of being like a a bridge episode but it really kind of wasn't at the same time it was kind of weird but yeah i i like the episode i mean the effects are, are one thing but the story is intriguing enough that those aren't really a bother it's just something i i do notice because i see a lot of stuff but yeah um 
It was supposed to be what it, they listed it as a big game changer, and I didn't really see too I think it's huge of because a game change. I guess it's because we know who Moloch is now, I guess. So we have I, some kind of idea of... We have some I kind really of... Change the game four episodes in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the, I, I, I find with, especially network TV, the people who make the promos have nothing to do with the people who write and make the shows. Very true. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, the, the main thing that went through my head in this episode, and it's something I felt a little bit previous, but it finally settled in, is that this show reminds me an awful lot of Fringe. Um, which I loved very much yes. and was also on Fox. It's following a very similar mold. Um, you know, uh, Kurtzman and Orky were involved with Fringe as well, so some of the same players. Uh, and I, I think it, if it continues, it could become, you know, increasingly better than it is now. But just the characters and, and the way the stories are developing, and it's very Fringe, but if that actually had magic. Yeah, there's certainly a level of confidence that's I think is working for the show, even if it is you know if it if it is relying too much on writers scrambling to provide all the exposition they need and you know have these really kind of chunky first acts to kind of set up all they need to tell in a 42 minute episode, you know, without commercials. I mean, it's 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 doing it's doing that, but it's also managing to make the it's the show still works. Like I'm still I'm having a lot of fun watching this show. I think that's that's why I think we're all having fun watching. Show. That's why we're still doing this podcast. But yeah. and, uh, I mean, credit. I mean, and we're pointing out the criticisms. Obviously, it's not perfect by any means, and it is obviously very, very silly. And you know, we would like to see more things from the other characters. But I mean, we're four episodes in, so I'm sure we'll get to that. But for the most part, yeah, I, I did. I appreciated what it brought to the table this week. I like that it it didn't necessarily switch its genre up, but it kind of switched the style up a bit. I mean, if the last week's episode was focused more, and the previous, the second week's episode too, were focused more on kind of scaring scaring you and having more horror motifs this one certainly has the, had a more kind of adventure fantastical quality to it yeah it, it got that us out of sleepy hollow into that like cabin area and then the, mm-hmm. the the uh place where they did the ritual too it was kind of you know different settings that, that being said this was probably the goriest episode so far uh with the, the guy like headless hanging from the hook and then very his head true the table yeah, there was blood yep <clears throat> awesome I agree. I, I think besides the pilot, this may have been my the most successful episode. Um, all right. So, any uh, any crazy hokum theories of the week that we have? I think we all just kind of want to see the uh, the Jenny Clancy Brown standalone episode. <laughs> <I think that's> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yes. Um, no theory, but um, we we like to talk about Ichabod's clo- Ichabod's clothes mm-hmm. weekly. How about you know, what if they modernized his clothes, but he kept the jacket? It would still yeah. give off his look pretty well and still wouldn't be wondering how wonderful his clothes his one pair of clothes he has smells. I, I do I, I just do I wanna see more kind of an a very Ichabod in this world like I don't need to, you know, I don't need crazy fish out of water shenanigans, but I would like to see more of like an Ichabod coming into his own in this world episode or like, you know, more of those beats playing up because I just haven't seen that very much so far. The show is moving so fast with the that they're not slowing down to do stuff like that. Yeah. But we'll see. It could I mean it's early days. All right. Um, so let's talk about next week's episode. Next week's episode is called titled John Doe. And uh, Brandon, do you have a synopsis on that one? When an unidentified boy is discovered in Sleepy Hollow, Ichabod Crane and Lieutenant Abby Mills are called to the scene. After speaking with the child, they immediately realize that something sinister and sickly is afoot, and the duo go on a hunt to discover his home and origins and are shocked by what they find. Sounds like a game changer. 
<laughs> well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. I did. I watch the. I don't. I don't generally watch like the next on next time on previews for series series. But for whatever reason, I'm just like I'm gonna watch it for Sleepy Hollow because I don't feel like I'm being spoiled in any way. Yeah. So I did, and it kind of looks pretty deadly. So I'm, I'm you know. I, I generally get excited for the show, but I am excited for next week's episode. But, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for uh, the Ichapod Cranecast this week. So, um, yeah, feel free to uh, to email us at ichapodcranecast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook at ichapodcrane or facebook.com slash ichapodcrane. Um, and uh, also check out the other shows at hhwled.com, including the Walking Dead TV podcast, which should start next week because Walking Dead comes back next week in full force. And of course, you can uh, you can find me on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, the other pod, the movie podcast that I that I host, and a Twitter at twitter.com/slash/aaron's-ps3. Uh, Brandon, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at btpeters. Um, also, write for Why So Blue, and I have my blog where currently all I do is write about the Halloween franchise. That's Naptown Nerd, naptownnerd.blogspot.com. And I'd like I've to. Been enjoy, I've been enjoying those uh, those posts. Well, thank you. Um, there's plenty of content daily. Um, I also like to thank this podcast because I have had to catch myself and note and notice when I write notes, I constantly write Ichapod, not bod. <laughs> and Maxwell. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at twitter.com/cinemaxwell, and similarly, you can check out my various musings at cinemaxwell.com. Um, and be sure to to tune in next week uh, for the rules and regulations about our our excellent Halloween contest. Yes, very much. Awesome, guys. Well, good uh, good talking about this episode as always. I um, I'm in, I'm in, I hope you guys are enjoying talking with me as much as I enjoy talking with you guys about Sleepy Hollow. And I'm glad that you you made it through the episode safe and sound in your car on the side of the road. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I I apply. Hopefully, hopefully this sounds amazing. And if everything worked out, it does. So there you go. So until next time, when we get to John Doe. Um, heads will roll. Good night. Everybody. And all the sinner saints As heads his tails Just call me Lucifer Cause I'm in need of some restraint So if you meet me Have some courtesy Have some sympathy And some taste Use all your well-learned politics Or I'll lay your soul to waste You think you know who George Washington was? He was a wizard!